完璧などありえないこの世界は不完全だから美しいバカバカバカ何俺は海賊王になる待ってなんと恋しさなの力を渡した時に言ったことを覚えているかいクレ違うそこじゃない変態遅い Hello and welcome to More Than Hentai, a podcast that is here to show that anime is far more than just tentacles and cat girls. There's also countless stories of love, loss, laughs, hope, horror, and happiness that are just dying to be found. And I, Brendan White, the Salt and Pepper Senpai, am here to help you find them. More Than Hentai is proudly powered by Audio Technica and our friends over at Dashwater. And joining me on this episode is a man that, who is a valued, valued, valued member of the Fortnite Snack Daddy Squad. When he's not clowning kids for crowns, he can be found being a sweary dad, occasionally tearing up the ballroom dance floor, creating many a new video game concept in real life, as well as via his podcast known as Bitstorm. From an anime standpoint, he's a big old fan of Ninja Scroll, One Piece, and Dragon Ball Z. You can find him via Trev H. Scott on the socials, where I'm fairly sure the H stands for hell freaking yeah. Trevor Scott, welcome to the Riverside Studio, my friend. How might you be doing? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks, Brendan, for having me on. <laughs> hey, thank you for coming by. I've、uh, been very excited to jump back on the microphone with you. So,、uh, yeah, full spoilers, listeners, we have done this dance through many different iterations of podcasts and, and lifetimes over the years. We are、uh, old guards when it comes to,、uh, to the podcasting game. We were talking sort of offline about potential episode count of close to maybe four figures as far as pods we've done yeah, collectively. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Which is scary to think about, but、um, something that's not scary to think about is, is you and your fantastic backstory and the things you get up to. So I guess we can first start that off before we then narrow that lens into an anime centric discussion. So, mate, tell、yeah. me about yourself. Tell the listeners what you do and, and anything else you care to share today on、uh, More Than Hentai. Yeah. So, okay.、Uh, obviously, you've heard about the podcasting. There was a little bit of a talk about. Ballroom dancing in there, which I will get to.、Uh, but I suppose my first love was always music. So I play the、um, electric bass in a couple of bands,、um, one of which is Kuradust, which you'll hear all over、um, the Bitstorm podcast. Like we, we play one of the songs there. And another band that I was part of was Eldritch Rites, which was a doom metal band、um, playing <laughs> really, really heavy stuff in the vein of like Black Sabbath and like. Whole heap of other bands that you've probably never heard of, Reverend Bazaar, and a <laughs>、uh, couple of friends bands, Die of Eight, and yeah, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of stuff out there.、Um, and then、oh, ballroom dancing. I've unfortunately had to kind of give it away recently. What? Because the old knees,、um, I'm 43 year, years old now, Brendan, the old knees are kind of being given away. <laughs>、um, That's fair. That's fair. They've had a good、so、run. I, they had a good run. I still love it,、uh, still love teaching it, but、uh, unfortunately, I can't continue doing it for the moment at least. So I've had to kind of give that away. I haven't danced in six months. Other than that, I'm a software engineer at a big Australian bank <laughs>、uh, doing, uh, doing lots of solution designs and, and lots of fun technical things there. And then when it comes to family life, I've got an 11 year old son and a lovely wife and house in the suburbs, and everything's good. <laughs> Mate, you, you are far too talented and far too multifaceted. Like,、uh, yeah, the stories you've shared with me 
throughout this journey of your 43 years and the things you've gotten up to and, and like just some of the hobbies there that you just sort of casually dove into there where you're like, yeah, but, you know, I do ballroom dancing. I, I used to teach it. Well, up until recently, I used to teach it. Yeah. Curse those knees. Hopefully, they have a bit of a second win there. But then you're like, yeah, I've just, just played in some bands. I'm a software I'm doing, engineer. I'm doing impro at the moment. Like I get up on stage and, you know, do do imp- improvise comedy with a, with a few friends and – you know, that's <laughs> again more stuff that I I I love doing, and that's that's actually come out of podcasting, out of doing Bitstorm, which is a improvised game design podcast. Um, I love the improvising part of it that we come mm-hmm. up with things out of no, out of nowhere. So I decided, and Ben and I during COVID times, we we did an online course, and then I continued into real life. It's so good, like podcasting. Like you, you mentioned it perfectly there. Like it lends its genre and concepts to so many parts of life like you talked about the improvisation and you know public speaking and and just helping general social interactions whether it be work or personal and family related like podcasting keeps those mouth muscles fresh and limber and uh, really helps (laughs) uh, day-to-day in in so many aspects and the improv thing is awesome I, I did a tiny bit of it at school and I've always been intrigued about getting back into it again because I really enjoyed drama class at school and I enjoy the creative arts and the creative space. Obviously, we're doing podcasting. so duh. But like, yeah, it's it's something I'm going to have to come check you and the crew out uh, one day doing because uh, yeah, I've got a ton of respect for any type of performer and especially when it's improv or sort of that off-the-cuff stuff, it really yeah. shows where people can sing and, and stand apart from the rest of the more scripted, rigid performers out there for sure. Oh yeah, and it's, it's so much more drama than I was expecting. Like in this, in the particular group that I that I go to, and have have been learning from, they it's all about stories and the emotions first, and then out of that comes comedy. Mm. So if it's if it's a real performance, you know, it, it it can lend itself to just unexpected comedy rather than just going for laughs. And 100%. that's what I'm loving about it. And you never know what you're going to get, not only as a performer, but as a participant in the audience or a viewer in the audience. Like it's yep. it's a dice roll for everybody involved, which makes it even more exciting and interesting, I think. I mean, I find it really funny because um, if we were talking about, you know, the sort of person I am, um, a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, you're quite you're quite out there. You do you put yourself out there and all this sort of stuff. But I'm an introvert at heart. I'd, I did not struggle at all through COVID. I loved being alone. It kind of meant that I didn't have to actually go out and, and put on this face in front of everyone. Um, I get nervous every time I go out on, on stage, every time I go to play play in front of people, every time I went to dance, every time I jump on a podcast, every time I, <laughs> you know, I force the, myself into these things because I actually enjoy them, but I'm an introverted heart, so... <laughs> I'm there in lockstep with you. I'm the same. Like uh, there, there's a term that um, friend of the podcast and, and mutual acquaintance and friend of ours, Buddy Watson, once said, and he said antisocial butterfly and he mentioned that term <laughs> yes. and I'm like that perfectly describes how I feel most days where I'm happy to socialize and whatever else but like you said, then I need that alone time or that time to unwind. So, yeah, COVID for me was also perfect because – I love these social interactions, love my friends, my family and stuff like that, but I also love that solitude and that time when I can just switch off and not care. Oh, not not care. That's probably too harsh a yeah. thing to say. Like not worry, not, <laughs> not have worry. that stress yep. because I'm the same, whether it be podcasting, catching up with people, work, public speaking. Like, yeah, I, I get that stress and that anxiety too. And 
I choose to think in my head, I'm like, I feel these things because I care, that I'm passionate and I want it to be good instead of just, this is the worst scenario ever. Get me out of here, please. So, <laughs> yeah, I think it's good to be nervous and it's good to sort of be stressed and uncomfortable. I think uncomfortable situations can lead to a lot of good. So, uh, I appreciate oh, you getting uncomfortable mm-hmm. here with me on the podcast. So, uh, Always. <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. So, let's... um. Let's narrow that lens into, I guess, the the byline of this podcast, which is an anime appreciation podcast, more than hentai. Uh, so let's let's talk about you and your history with anime. One of them that you mentioned, as far as one of your favorites, is also in my Mount Rushmore of, of anime, and that's Ninja Scroll. Yeah. But let's let's sort of just start back to, I guess, young Trevor when when he first discovered this fantastic genre or this fantastic medium. So, step me through uh, how you discovered anime and what your thoughts and feelings are on it. SBS, late one, like late 90s, early 2000s night, and a little a little movie called Ninja Scroll was, was on there. <laughs> so, I came in um, big. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I had never heard anything about it or anything like that. I came in blind. And sat there for, you know, the hour and a half that it goes for and just sat in awe of this amazing, you know, sort of half samurai, half horror, half, you know, just pure Japanese awesome. <laughs> it was it was um, a night to remember. And I remember having a VHS copy of, of Ninja Scroll <laughs> that, I, that I very hastily, you know, recorded that night. And then when the DVD finally came out, like in I think around two thousand three, two thousand four, it was one of the one of my first purchases, and it's sitting quite proudly on my shelf. And I'll go back and watch it every one or two years. Maybe not with a family, though. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not with the family. Um, other than that, like I did say, Dragon Ball Z, like watching watching that uh when it when it started coming out i am a little bit older like i as i said for 43 so i'm a little bit older than than the typical demographic of dragon ball z but there was just something about like the animation style and the um and just i don't know the the story the story was kind of captivating at the time when i was when i was just watching it after doing a very, very long shift at uh, the local Pizza Hut doing delivery driving, Shout came out home and, <laughs> you know, it was finishing, you know, last night's pizza and sitting there or watching, watching a story and wondering how many episodes is it going to be until Goku actually gets to this planet? And <laughs> it still kept my, kept my attention, even though every single episode they could, they could go four or five episodes without actually increasing the story at all or mm-hmm. progressing the story whatsoever. Yeah, spoilers, listeners. Goku to do anything or, or any of those types of anime in that vein, the lead character to do anything usually takes an awful long time. You're not going to yep. get clarity in those 20-odd minutes in that episode. You'll get clarity maybe 10 episodes' time or maybe several yeah. seasons' time. Who knows? <laughs> um, and then it's only been recent. Uh, we were chatting during one of our many Fortnite sessions and mm-hmm. we got to talking about One Piece and I'm like, you know what, I'll- I'll give it a bit of a a red hot go. And then the Netflix series came out around the same time. And you know what? I'm kind of hooked. I, I kind of fell off it for a little bit because I've been focused so much on work and my wife's health and my health and all this sort of stuff. But I will be going back into it. I'm, you know, something like 150, 160 episodes in. Okay. Okay. So, so we're similar placed. So I'll, I'll yep. sort of jump back to the start of that origin story and, and say that we – have near identical 
origin stories or entry points into anime. I was a lot younger though when I watched Ninja Scroll. I was <laughs> I was like 10, 11. So oh, when yeah. I saw this and I was just like, what is this in my head? I'm like, what is this cartoon that's hyper-violent? Like you said, there's horror elements, there's sexual elements, super violent, super gory, mad battles. What is going on here? And so it hooked me from the jump. I, I saw it in the, in the mid-90s. And it really set me on a pretty good path. Like Kawajiri, who wrote and directed it, has done some of my favorite stuff like Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust is another film of his that I adore. Uh, Wicked City, which is also pretty sexy, pretty naughty, pretty gory, pretty violent as well. So he's, he's, got, a, he's got a type. And that yeah. type <laughs> certainly appeals to me and especially it appealed to younger me. So I was hooked from the get-go. Dragon Ball, I caught here and there a little bit when I was a when I was a young and and One Piece, like we've we've embarked on a similar journey. I'm at about episode 190 now, but I think in comparison to yourself, like I enjoyed the live action. I, I'm, I enjoyed it probably more than my viewing experience of the anime so far because I've been having a really tough time with the anime, okay. and I've had to sort of hop on, hop off a few times because I'll just be watching episodes and I'm like, I don't care what is happening. I don't care about these characters, and if I don't have that emotional investment it just doesn't grab me so i've sort of had to hit the pause button a few times go watch a few things and come back and i'll keep persisting but it's just not a high priority but you've been vibing it so far like you said you you enjoyed the live action you're about 150 episodes into the anime you've been you've been digging it i I really am um i think going in i knew straight away that if I looked ahead or anything like that, I'd be going, oh, I can't wait till I get to this bit. And I'm like, no, I need to just sit back and enjoy each episode for what it is. And look, there were some definite episodes after like Arlong Park that just dragged. Mm-hmm. And that was a real slog to get through. And I think that's because, you know, you wanted the next story to actually start or the whole, the next, you know, sequence of, of stories. But, I think just by uh, focusing in on enjoy what's coming, enjoy the enjoy the ride, and just start focusing on on the relationships between the characters, and it's actually kind of helped me a little bit in the impro because the way they they communicate, you know, they've got this camaraderie and all this sort of stuff already there that you can you can tell each character has been almost written or each each line of dialogue is specifically written for that character and it, it remains consistent throughout um which is again really good for when i'm trying to learn acting and that sort of stuff to to have that character voice in my head yeah that's that's fair enough like it is it is a special anime especially for a lot of people i i hope that it will ascend in my favoritism list over the years as as i consume the Nearly eleven hundred episodes that are available at time of recording. <laughs> but also, I'm I'm haven't watched that much that much anime yet, um, and that's why I thought you know this is the perfect podcast to, to come on because it's taking me out of my depth a little bit, and you know we we talked a little bit about what we were going to what we were going to watch this time. It was actually fun having that conversation and and almost almost hearing even though it was just through text uh the excitement when when i mentioned what what drew me to ninja mm-hmm. scroll rather than um cuz i think you were on one one way down the ninja scroll part and i'm definitely you know very much in <laughs> in the horror side of things so yeah it's, um it was good to sort of see this this sort of plan come together because yeah listeners if this is your first time stopping on by the way 
that these episodes are formulated is, yeah, I'll, I'll bring a, a guest on every episode that is that is new to the anime in question we're going to be talking about and, and they'll fill out a little bit of a question and answer just so I can get a bit of an understanding of, of what they like from a viewing perspective, you know, themes and tones and genres and whatnot, maybe mention some anime that they like. So then I try and find their hopeful next favourite anime or their next anime that they're going to watch this first episode that we're going to cover and go, shit, I need to consume the rest because this is the best and, and I'm in and I can't wait. And, and yeah, you mentioned the Ninja Scroll thing. I went down the the Ninja swordplay combat route, of which there is plenty in Ninja Scroll plenty. outside <laughs> of the body horror and the gore. But, yeah, you were more in the body horror and the atrocities that sort of hooked you on Ninja oh, Scroll. The so villains, I, I had an idea that I had to in pivot. Ninja Scroll are just probably the best part about Ninja Scroll is in the fact that they are so weird and wonderful and like um, the hero has to come up with different ways to to defeat defeat them that it's like each one was a was a a struggle in in its own and it sort of just made me think you know the body horror of it actually got me into a lot more sort of other other horror aspects in in my movie watching <laughs> as we've it's a gateway it's a gateway it's a drug gateway. the old ninja scroll <laughs> and yeah the the old eight devils of kimon that that jubei has to take down yep. in ninja scroll they're all unique in their own creepy messed up ways and and i love yeah. that it is just these continuous sort of boss battles where yeah mm. there's different mechanics that he needs to work out or, or different potential things you're going to kill him that he wasn't familiar with going from person to person it, it is so good god i love yeah. ninja skull and i've got the blu-ray downstairs and i haven't watched it in a while so maybe maybe i'll do that after we record here because uh <laughs> i've got an, i've got a hankering to go back in and and watch uh watch jubei do his thing we don't talk about the the series and we don't talk about the sequel because that is rough 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 mm-hmm. stuff so just think <laughs> of it as this is the only thing that exists is the ninja scroll film anything outside yep. of that don't worry about it. There's plenty of other great ninja. I've only ever seen Ninja Scroll stuff. the movie. <laughs> yeah, I've watched it all and it sucks, man. It sucks. Oh, bugger. <laughs> but what hopefully doesn't suck is our title in focus for this episode. And it is Parasite or Parasite the Maxim if you want to get technical with the anime. And Parasite mm-hmm. is an award-winning science fiction horror manga series written and illustrated by Hitoshi Iwaki. It was published in Kodanasha's Morning Open Zokan and Monthly Afternoon Magazine from 1988 through to 1995, and as of August of 2022, has over 25 million copies in circulation, making it one of the most popular manga in the world. The manga has since been adapted into two live-action films and a 24-episode anime television series, which was produced by Madhouse, titled Parasite The Maxim, as I mentioned, which aired between October 2014 and March 2015. Parasite The Maxim currently holds a score of 8.33 on my anime list, and that is based off 1.1 million user reviews. And the story of Parasite The Maxim is as follows. All of a sudden, they arrived. Parasitic aliens that descended upon Earth and quickly infiltrated humanity by burrowing into the brains of vulnerable targets. These insatiable beings acquire full control of their host and are able to morph into a variety of forms in order to feed on unsuspecting prey. 16-year-old high school student Shinichi Izumi falls victim to one of these parasites, but it fails to take over his brain, ending up instead in his right hand. Unable to relocate, the parasite, now named Miggy, has no choice but to rely on Shinichi to, in order to stay alive. Thus, the pair is forced into an uneasy coexistence and must defend themselves from hostile parasites that hope to eradicate this new threat to their species. So, Trev, we're going to be talking about episode one, The Metamorphosis. 
Where do you want to start? Do we want to go beat by beat with that fantastic cold open, or what are your thoughts? Take I me on the I think we journey. need to start just just as the just as the um the show starts in media res, like literally, it starts and gives you the best intro to a show that I've I've sort of experienced <laughs> like <laughs> I'm, I'm fist pumping already i'm taking yeah. an early victory lap because yeah the open is fantastic L- lead yeah. us through it lead us like talk us through the open okay open there is a couple standing facing each other all of a sudden they the camera switches to the man that makes a slight sound as his face gets cracks from like the the top of his hairline and the bottom of his chin all the way to the center and then they switch over to the, the lady's face as she looks in horror. And then <laughs> the guy's face opens up into this giant mouth. <laughs> it goes back to the lady looking in horror and then chomp. <laughs> no sound. And I think that makes it even more terrifying. There was no sound. Sure, yeah. It just, in this mouth envelops her head. There's blood and then intro. <laughs> like it's- yeah it's it's a powerful open and it really sets the tone and and i'm so happy that it opens this way because we were talking about your love of horror and mm. the things that of ninja scroll that really excited you and the fact that it just leads in straight away with this and i love that you mentioned too the the, the bite scene where you see the husband bite the wife's head off where it's yeah they've completely cut the sound and it just makes it so much more blunt and straight to the head as far as you, yeah. the viewer goes, just whack, just punches you, and you're like, whoa, it's, okay. It's so otherworldly as well. Like, it's it's, it's like, oh, my God, what just happened? And then, you know, in kicks, you know, <laughs> some- This very funky jam, hey, in, in the open. Yeah. Some very, very cool theme music with uh, very, very auto-tuned vocals for the, for the Japanese-y- sort of high-pitched sort of stuff, and then there's some, like, English screaming in the background, like, that comes in later on. It's it's a hell of a time. So, yeah, the, the intro starts, and the intro is called Let Me Hear by Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And as you mentioned, we get a, a mix of, of Japanese and English vocal deliveries. But one thing I took away doing the rewatch again is one of the one of the lyrics you get, and it goes, you guys do not notice that we are gifted just by being humans. We are absolute mm. predators. We do not even have any enemies Maybe there are other animals watching us and thinking that someday we will beat them down. And you're like, man, those lyrics perfectly sort of just summarize this show, even though I've just been watching it for literally 30 seconds. I'm like, I get it. I understand what's happening here from this cold open and then this opening track by our Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I'm like, yeah, I'm in, baby. This is a hell of a time. Let's go. And I I suppose what I love about the whole opening all the way through until – Shinichi actually gets to school. It's all you don't know what's quite going on because it's like you haven't been explained anything of what's happening so far. Even during the breakfast scene that comes up next that we will talk about, like they don't they they're referencing things that haven't been shown to the audience yet. Yeah. So it's all still in media res. It's all still action is happening and and they're just going along with the story and then they'll finally come back to to what happened that last night. Yeah. So so after after the open closes and there's some really great imagery there's some real creepy imagery yet when they're introducing characters you don't yet know you see some some parasite based things going on you see some cute moments then a weird sort of naked cuddling moment that ties in i'm like okay (laughs) we're going there this this happens but yeah then we get uh shinichi waking up 
and he, he's waking up in the morning in a little bit of a haze and he's got yep. this strange voice that he's hearing saying it's failed and like yep. uh, it's a failure but then he realizes or at least he assumes it's like oh it's just a dream okay whatever and gets up out of bed heads downstairs his mother and father at the breakfast table uh, the mum's cooking up some absolutely banging looking bacon and eggs i was salivating i, I was a little bit <laughs> this is this is i think um one of the things that sort of echoes throughout this this first episode is they really put women as as like serving the men and i think that's very much like it's a little bit icky um and it, and it was very very evident that you know i think it's almost this way because of it is definitely a different culture and all that sort of stuff yeah. but she she's standing she's standing there serving and not having any food herself and the father and son are sitting there eating food and she's just there to serve them. And it kind of felt a bit, just a, a bit icky. Yeah, the, the female representation in this first episode especially is a little weak and a little like, oh, come on, man. But like you said, I think it's a bit of a cultural thing but also a time-based thing. Like I'm not saying that type of behaviour was ever okay, but this is an anime that was written many, many, many decades ago now. So there has been a bit of a, a societal-based shift there. But, yeah, so she's cooking these fantastic bacon and eggs. It made me want bacon and eggs immediately. Oh, yeah. And and should we actually mention right now that Shinichi actually said that he didn't want them? Yeah, he like, didn't. He's like, he actually no, goes, I don't really want them. It's like, and then she's like, <laughs> his mum's like, you need, you need to eat, eat breakfast, you know? And so I think- <laughs> and then, then he's drink drinking his tea, and his father shows him a bug, and you know he's all freaked out. He burns his tongue and jumps and jumps away, and he's really not reacting well. And I'm like, oh well, this is this is going to be a character moment that you know will will be called back in many episodes time. Oh little, what did I know? <laughs> little I knew. <laughs> we see that yeah, Shinichi's he's a bit of a timid boy, a bit of a timid sixteen yeah. year old boy. And yeah, he's sitting there at the breakfast table and he mentions like that he's that he's like he's looking at his hand and it doesn't feel right. And the yeah. parents mention about what happened last night and that you don't really understand at the moment because we haven't seen it, but they sort of say, Yeah, we, we came in, you were having a nightmare and carrying on and you tied up your arm with your headphones and you're like, What? Huh? His dad's like, Did you find that worm <laughs> that you were looking for? Or in the sub um, it was, did you find that snake? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so the fact that they, they went with a slightly different thing, <laughs> you know, I, I get it because now I look at it from an English point of view. It's like, no, worm probably makes more yeah. sense for as a more direct ref- representation of what this alien being looked like. Exactly. Exactly. So we get, yeah, some, some little tales from the parents and, uh, Shinichi there. And you're just like, okay. I can sort of piece together what may or may not have happened last night, but hopefully we get a little bit more of that uh, uncovered very shortly. But then it cuts back to the couple that we saw in that very first opening scene with, with the man that bit his wife's head off. And you can see the man who's yeah obviously possessed by this parasite and his face is all kinds of contorted and, and messed up. And he's trying to learn how to act human and teach himself how to speak like the television's on. And he's trying to imitate the wording to understand, I guess, how to assimilate then into society as this parasitic humanoid. And so he's doing that. And then you can hear off off camera that they've got a young daughter and they're like, Daddy, what are you doing? Or, you know, what's wh- where's mommy? Because he's standing there and mommy's now headless and the body's on the ground, blood yeah. everywhere. And he just <laughs> casually walks downstairs, leaving bloody footprints everywhere. 
as he's leaving, like the, the daughter goes, Daddy, where's mummy? I'm hungry. Um, and he creepily has his face sort of morph a little bit and then repeats the line as like, Daddy, where's mummy? I'm hungry. And just like, oh, it's so creepy. And he, he walks slowly. And as soon as they cut to black, you hear a squelch. And it's like, oh, God, he's just done it to, done it to his daughter as well. And they didn't need to show that at least. Yeah, you actually hear the bite sound this yeah. time as opposed to the, the muted bite in the open there. So, yeah, we get that. And then that scene fades to black. And then we see Shinichi on his way to school and this is where we meet uh, Murano. She's sort of sneaking in the shadows, female mm-hmm. friend of Shinichi, and she runs up to karate chop him in the back. But Shinichi, without even looking or hearing her- He, he didn't know. It was it was all, as we will come to know, it was all his, you know- Yeah, it was we'll all Miggy. It's, it's all Miggy um, who just reached up and stopped, stopped the karate chop to his head like with- with his right hand and <laughs> it was like, oh my God, this is this is almost a perfect moment. Turns around, he doesn't even realize that, you know, he stopped this uh this attack and she's like, Oh, how'd you do that? And then she she looks weird at him for a little bit. And we find out that he's grasping her left breast with his right hand. Yeah. So so Miggy Miggy wanted to oh. cop a feel and yeah, he's he's grabbing grabbing that boob pretty well. And obviously, Murano is clearly upset about this because who wouldn't be? She slaps Shinichi, not really oh, sure what what's, what's wrong with was. him. Power what slap. What a slap it was. And then she runs the other way and then you see Shinichi looking at his hand again, confused as hell, going like, what is going on? What's happening with me? Yep. What is happening with this idle right hand? Please explain anybody. <laughs> what I really liked, and I've watched both dub and sub of this, the- Dub almost had a better reaction for um, the slap for her leaving. Like when when she left, you know, she was upset, and she uh, in the sub, I think she goes, um, "Shinichi, you idiot!" And it's like um, it almost feels more in the English version. It was you disgust me, and she she walked off, and and more of a huff, and it wasn't wasn't sort of just brushed off. But then the next character comes in, who's another friend. I can't remember. Can't remember the name of Ryuko. I think Could it's be, Ryuko. Yes. Uh, she comes up and, and you know he's still trying to say it was just a misunderstanding, and you know she kind of brushes it off as if you know it was okay, and it's sort of like you just watched him grope someone. Please <laughs> react a little bit better. It, it was kind of strange because you're like, do you want me to go apologize on your behalf? Yes. <laughs> to Murano to make, make her feel better on your behalf, explain that it was a misunderstanding. And so so that scene occurs and then we find out what happened last night. We get it we get yeah. a flashback mm. to Shinichi in his bedroom, soundly sleeping at, at a very late hour, and we see this worm or this snake, I guess you could say, depending on sub or dub. <laughs> sub or dub. <laughs> and at first it's just stealth in its way in, Shinichi's asleep. But luckily, he's got his, his in-ear buds in because it tries yep. to first invade through the ear cavity, can't get in because some headphones are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it then attempts to burrow in through his nose, but he sort of yep. sneezes slash spits it out across the room, lands on his computer desk, and then the, um, <laughs> the worm or the snake goes missile style and just sort of launches itself at Shinichi and manages to stab him in sort of the side of his right hand and burrows straight on in. 
and it's a moment. I I have a question. Okay. If it could if it could do like the burrowing in through the skin, why didn't it just go for the neck? Like, be done with it. Yeah. Like that's true. And we would we we wouldn't be talking about Shinichi as a hero. Then we'd be talking about Shinichi as as like a, a another parasite as a host, like everyone yeah. else. Um, but yeah, it. That was the only the only slight thing that I had against us. Like, well, if you could go in through the through the skin, go in through the neck, and you you're fine. And he he would never have stopped it because he just would have woken up and felt his neck, and it's like, oh well, too late. <laughs> but anyway, my thoughts maybe because it, we see in upcoming scenes where Miggy or this parasite is learning and trying to educate yep. and maybe become more intelligent. So maybe yep. it sort of needs that bond or that connection with the human and the brain that it consumes mm. to, to have a little bit more uh, smarts about itself or maybe it is yeah, just definitely. driven off instinct in, in that worm or snake form but very valid very valid maybe too maybe it is smart enough it knows if it hits an artery going through the neck it'll just bleed out mm. and kill its host I don't know mm. maybe. valid <laughs> very valid could have just yeah missed this whole whole scene but then to see you know all of a sudden the um like he he's got the the headphones doing like a tourniquet with it <laughs> almost almost like like you know doing heroin because he's got it in his mouth and he's pulling it tight and all this sort of stuff and it's like oh this is almost like an allegory for drugs as well but it's like hang on we we heard his mum talk about you know how he had his arm wrapped up in headphones last night. And it's like, oh, we're getting this this scene right now, and we've heard the worm, we've heard the we've heard the headphones. So it's like, okay, great, we've we've got this whole story from the very start. Yeah, and and seeing the parents bust in, not only confused but also sort of humoured in a way. Yeah, seeing seeing Shinichi, their their very timid sixteen year old son, acting this way, they're they're really unsure what's going on, and, and he's sort of saying, "There's there's a worm, it's in me," and and the dad's sort of laughing off, almost like, "Shut up, dear kid, you, you don't know what you're talking yeah. about. You, you're half asleep here. <laughs> don't be silly. Go to bed," type of thing. And that's yeah. that's sort of the end of end of that scene, and then it sort of flashes back to school, and we see that Shinichi's in class, very dazed and, and sort of hazed, and feeling that last night was still very much a dream. And he's sort of just doom scrolling on his phone and gets into a little well, bit of trouble. He's not doom scrolling. Miggy is doom scrolling because oh, it's underneath right the desk. Here. Yeah, I didn't he, even put that together. He says to the teacher later on that he thought he turned off his phone, but Miggy's just they're doom scrolling, and it's it's the human anatomy on the screen that you see, you know, wh- just before they go into the flashback, um, and it's like. Watching it the second and third time is when I put that together. That's like, oh, this is when she was first, you know, uh, trying to trying to work work out how this human anatomy and all this sort of stuff works, because she's the one. And he, when you look at it again, he's looking down at the table, and the phone is underneath the table, and it's God, perfect. Excellent pickup. I didn't I didn't even connect those dots. That's yeah. great because I just assumed because he was still so out of it, and then. When he's talking to the teacher, he was just saying whatever he can to avoid any trouble. But excellent, excellent pickup. I missed that completely. Yeah, so good. I, I really enjoyed that that part, and um, it was it wasn't until my third watch last night that I actually picked that up. So <laughs> you know, don't, don't worry, I didn't pick it up the first couple of times. Yeah, we see him getting into a bit of trouble. We can still see that uh, Murano is still very upset about what happened earlier mm-hmm. and is doing her best to avoid Shinichi at all costs throughout the school. He then voices that he's not feeling very well and maybe he should just leave school early. So 
he, I guess, goes to see the, the nurse at school, gets the permission to leave school, leaves school, and, and then he's walking home half out of his mind, half still yeah. very hazed as far as what's happening. And we get this moment where we see this young girl crossing a street and this sports car flying up over the hill, driving recklessly. And we feel, oh, no, this this kid's about to get hit by this car. Shinichi jumps in front of the car, shields the kid with his left hand and his body and puts out his right arm to block this car. The car gets smashed to bits almost like it hits a pile on or a brick wall. Mm -hmm. And we get this first really quick visual where we see Miggy taking just over the hand on the just back of the, the eye hand. and we get Ugh. sort of a little bit of bit of webbing and a little bit of blade work on the fingertips but just the eye looking back at Shinichi for for this moment I was like oh this is this mm. is freaky this eye is great and then he just reassimilates back into just a normal hand and I was like whoa this is awesome this is building up what is happening um did you notice what type of car it was it was not a wasn't a Supra, was it? It was an Asda. They an got Asda. rid of the M, <laughs> <laughs> and it was just an Asda. And the uh, and the and the logo looked very similar to the Mazda logo, but not quite. <laughs> spoiler or not spoiler, anime based spoilers in general. The more anime you watch, the more yep. you will see brands just slightly modified, like reference ever so slightly. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 so great. It's it was so just great. perfect, like, I, and I, I didn't quite um, pick up or get get any anything from the number plate, but I'm sure that it's a reference to something. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was there, but how did it feel seeing the uh, seeing Miggy awaken for the first time, and and I guess seeing the potential power that this parasite has, where it could stop a car going, I'm guessing anywhere between sixty and hundred kilometers. It was moving. And it got mm. stopped dead in its tracks by this hand. Like, I was like, whoa, this is a strong little parasite. But also, Shinichi didn't didn't hesitate. Mm. He jumped in front of the car. And we know that uh, later on in the episode, and we'll get to, we'll again get to this, Miggy only has control over the right hand. He had complete control over the body and all this sort of stuff. And he, he jumped in front of that car by himself to shield that child knowing that it was pretty much certain death. And it's only because, like, and I think that um, will come back later on in, in the series that, you know, he he actually has the heart of a hero, like, whether he knows it or not. Fight or flight, he jumped into fight mode, not not as a lot of other people would, the, the flight and, and not step away from the um from the danger. So yeah, he literally jumped in front of a moving car to save this child that he yeah. didn't know until that moment. But then going from fight to flight because after he sees yeah, Miggy looking back at him with the one eye through the right hand, he freaks out, runs home at speed, <laughs> grabs a pocket knife out and is planning Goes to on, stab himself. <laughs> yeah, going to stab the hand or you know cut whatever it is out of his his idle hand now. And then we see Miggy morph into this sentient hand-based creature with all that gooey, creepy, yep. fantastic body horror that we both love. Yep. Um, what I found quite quite funny is that when he runs through, he, his mum goes, Shinichi, is that you? It's a bit early. <laughs> and then uh, we, we get a great scene coming up, like after he's you know talk, talking to Miggy for a little bit and you know they're they're conversing a bit. 
the mum knocks on the door and it's it's almost like, mum, don't come in, don't come in. It's almost like an allegory for masturbation mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. this sort of stuff, which was just a great moment because it was like him and his right hand <laughs> having a moment. So yeah, Mama Mama Azumi was like, "Oh, my 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 boy's probably growing up here." She she feels pretty pretty great that her her son's becoming a man, and and no doubt the way it was written, she probably goes back down to the kitchen and starts preparing dinner because that's all she yeah. is used for in in this show at the moment. At the moment. <laughs> so we've got Shinichi freaking out because his hand has just come to life and is looking at him, and then you hear Miggy starting to attempt to speak, yep. and clearly because Miggy isn't the smart little parasitic hand that he wants to be, the words are very slow and childlike and mm-hmm. he's he's asking Shinichi to teach him how to speak. And then this funny moment happens where he's talking <laughs> and, I, and I guess talking and being in this parasitic hand mode really exhausts a lot of energy. At this time, and it's like the second that Shinichi starts asking questions, like, oh, I'm tired and just immediately disappears. But it's like, hang on, come back. I want to, you know, we want more answers. But I think it, it was almost a perfect moment because it's like at any time, Miggy can actually just go back to being the normal hand. And, mm-hmm. you know, he he has uh, nothing that he can do to, to sort of bring, <laughs> bring Miggy back, back out. Other than if he really wanted to, the knife can come out again. But then, then again, what we haven't mentioned is Mickey is strong as fuck. Yeah, yeah. Mickey can stop moving cars. <laughs> he still goes to stab his right hand. Mickey stops the blade, breaks the blade, throws the blade into the wall, and it's just <laughs> just gets lodged in the wall. And I think Shinichi's realized, oh shit, this thing is strong as all fuck. <laughs> yeah, you don't mess with Mickey because Mickey Mickey will cut you up. So, yeah, uh, yeah Miggy, Miggy is now exhausted and, and gone back to sleep hand mode. And so, Shinichi jumps on the internet and he st- he Googles right hand weird snake, yep. and, <laughs> which makes me chuckle. And then he sort of realizes how weird that is to search as well and I guess sort of gives up the search pretty quickly. And then um, we see uh, he's down then at the dinner table with, with mum and dad. Mum's cooking great mm-hmm. food again. And they're a bit more concerned now because they're like, oh, you came home early? What's wrong? And then the masturbation thing or the masturbation moment whatever (laughs) else you're like this isn't our son are you okay (laughs) and but then he asked for seconds and his dad mentions so you came home you weren't feeling well but now you're asking for seconds okay everything's right here yeah (laughs) it was good looking curry oh looked amazing i just i'm i'm loving the the fact that you can tell this family just loves each other yeah um and you know they understand that you know their son's had a little bit of a hard day, but they don't give him shit about like you know they don't harp on the fact that he came home early from school. They they obviously trust that he um, he came home for a good reason and all this sort of stuff. And it's like it's it's a really good feeling to have in in a show like this to to have that good family dynamic, which I'm sure they're going to fuck with later on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to confirm nor deny that statement. So, so yeah, we, we see uh, we see him smash down two, two big plates of curry and then it cuts to a scene where we've got a drunk man wandering down an alleyway and he's sort of externally monologuing his life at the moment. He's like, oh, I've had too many drinky drinks and that made me chuckle. And yes. He stumbles a- across a-, a dead body in the alleyway, but then we sort of jump forward. We don't really get to see what's happening in this alleyway too much. No. And it's now nightfall, obviously. Rain is starting to fall, and, and this random female neighbour 
is uh, looking outside and realizes that the neighbor has left the clothes out and she's sort of yelling out to, I can't remember the name of the neighbor, you know, John Smith, for example, your, your clothes are out, bring them in, it's raining. But then she realizes the clothes on the clothesline are actually like skin and body Human parts. Skin, yeah. And you're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, God. Um, having actually read the manga as well, these scenes are almost taken directly out of the manga, like, which is absolutely perfect to to have you know a, a one-to-one comparison of being able to see how it was done in in the original text and see it very faithfully uh demonstrated for all these early kills um almost one one-to-one like how how the manga opens and how how the um anime opens is the exact same way these kills are very very much uh included in including the just um the panel for panel it's good to just see panel for panel which is you know, showing that they they really loved the original text and wanted to be faithful to it, and it I know re- really sets the scene that this is happening all over the city. Like this isn't just yeah, this isn't isolated to just uh, the Shinichi's Shinichi's parasitic hand. This is starting to to run wild through Japan, through Tokyo, and that skin on the clothesline. I was just like, whoa, yeah, okay, <laughs> this is going places strap in and so after that moment we we flash forward to the next morning shinichi wakes up again and (laughs) wakes up in a haze and realizes that miggy he's uh got (laughs) books like encyclopedias and whatever else sprawled throughout the bedroom and and miggy can now speak fluent english or fluent japanese Mm -hmm. or just fluent language and Miggy, the, the sentient parasitic hand, has just been studying all night and now he knows all about Earth and knows all about talking and life and it's such a cool, weird, quirky moment. really is. Um, split itself off into, into like two separate parts of appendages. So you got like the the base Miggy one that I suppose, you know, has the, has the single eye stalk and, and the mouth, but then another one that is mimicking all the animals that she's that she's looking into and is like, oh, that's what that's what this is. This is a fish. And this is like um that was really great moment. When she when she realizes that Shinichi is is awake, turns around and goes, okay, I've sort of worked out that, you know, because I'm because I'm in your right hand um and not in your head, you know, we we have got two different consciousnesses consciousnesses. And um if I was in in your brain, you know, your head could do this, and then she she literally shows it splitting open, <laughs> their head coming out from, and it's like, but instead I'm in your right hand, and you know I have full control over this. Um, your right hand is now completely consumed by me. So, how about I give you the the opportunity to control your hand like you did before when I'm asleep? <laughs> like I can rewire this, and it's like. When I heard that the first time, I'm like, oh, no, this do- this doesn't make sense. He could always control it. And it's like, oh, no, she's sort of said that I'm now, you know, fully have eaten everything that is that is technically that hand. This is now, you know, she's almost completely of um, come to maturity. So now it literally is a hunk of flesh that he would not have control over. So um, it, ex- it sort of explains, you know, how um, – how Miggy literally has control over that particular appendage for the most part. It, it's such a fun little discussion hearing really about, is. I guess, how this parasite, how this worm or snake, whatever you want to call it, how it works, how it usually takes over the host where, 
Miggy's just casually talking about, you know, typically we burrow in into your head, we we consume the brain and, and, and that's how we sort of take full control over a human. But, yeah, due to me uh, maturing in your arm or in your hand, I cannot do that. So let's sort of strike up a bargain. Let's let's yeah. sort of work together. And like you said, he can have full control of, of his right hand back normally because uh, Shinichi's talking about, I'm going to go to hospital, I'm going to cut it off. And it's like, why would you do that? I'd be dead, and you'd be le- without a right arm. That's not a that's not a win win for either of us. The bargaining and the back and forth between the two is great there, and it sort of ends before he goes down for breakfast, where where Miggy sort of says, "Use me with care," <laughs> and that made me giggle a little bit. And we, we 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 sort of flash forward to yeah downstairs at the breakfast table. Yeah, mum's cooking fantastic bacon and eggs again. But this time hasn't given anything to Shinichi because yeah. of what he said yesterday. <laughs> she can't win. Poor mother. She's like, you said you didn't want any yesterday. Damn if I do, damn if I don't type of thing. <laughs> yes. But as this is going on, the dad is reading the news on his on his laptop or his tablet and he mentioned there's been a lot more of these attacks. Going into excessive detail about the deaths, <laughs> mind you, it isn't just like you know people have been killed throughout the city it's like yeah this person's been beheaded and this person's been this and that the other is like oh my okay so we (laughs) can see that this is running rampant now and there's some real problems and real uh, dangers at play here Mm, definitely one thing that we didn't no we we kind of glossed over it last time that you know shinichi got really scared about a spider but this time they they see the i reckon it's actually the exact same spider crawling (laughs) crawling across the table like do, do they just have the same spider crawl across every single morning? But anyway, um, this time Shinichi just picks it up and drops it outside and it's like, oh, what's actually happening? You can already see the character growth. That This this thing no longer bo- bothers him. You know, it's like I've got something even worse happening with my right hand. Like that, this means nothing to me now. <laughs> like I've, I've seen stuff that you wouldn't believe, so a spider is fine. <laughs> It made me chuckle a little bit because the dad is making fun of yeah. Shinichi about it. He's like, oh, look on the table there. Like, oh, it's a big, bad, evil little bug. And, yeah, then he just casually just no-sells it, picks up the bug, takes it outside like nothing. So the parents like, yeah, what is happening here? Is this our son? He's he's become a man overnight. What's, what's going on here? But uh, I really love the family dynamic they've got here. Like you said, you can see that they care about each other greatly. They mm. have some fun. They uh, cook mad breakfast. I'm constantly mm. salivating at the food that uh, the mother's preparing and, and makes me want to eat all the anime food. But, yeah, seeing seeing Shinichi's immediate growth there where bugs are no longer an issue, that phobia out the door just like the spider that he took up out there. And then um, we see him leave and then he's on his way walking to school and then uh, Miggy the hand wakes up again and you see mm-hmm. the, the eye and the mouth in the hand, which just is never not creepy slash funny, I think, yeah, when I know. you see it. Like it's such a... <laughs> unique look that is unsettling but also kind of cute maybe i don't know i i just i just love the first line that miggy says is this is a different way than yesterday yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like straight away is like judgmental what are you doing you know mm-hmm. you thought i was asleep and it's like i'm going to the police station it's like no you can't do that like the, all they're gonna do is like you know dissect you and <laughs> And that's not going to be fun for either of us. We need to we need to work out more about what's going on. <laughs> yeah, it's just the the dynamic between the two is is fantastic, and it makes me laugh their little interactions every single time. Yeah, and, and it just works. And then we get this moment where Miggy can sense another parasite around due to mm. brainwaves or some type of 
you know, brain-based frequency and, and they can sense that there's another parasite about 200 or so meters away. I've got a note right here. Okay. And my note says, unnecessary dubstep. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. Before they get to seeing what's around the corner, there's just this dubstep that comes out of nowhere. And I was like, this isn't really an action scene. They're literally just walking up to an alley. <laughs> like, I don't see why um, dubstep needs to be right this second. Until they turn around the corner. And then, you know, that's where that's where they could have yeah. hit hit the drop. Yeah, it's um the the soundtrack overall with Parasite, the Maxim, is is fantastic. Ken Arai, yeah. who put it together, he, he knows when to to sort of speed up or slow down the pacing. But yeah, that pre-drop dubstep was a little early couple of seconds or you know a little unnecessary but i'm like okay. so i was thinking is this just is this just the dub so i went and, and listened to the to the sub and watched that all the way through i was like oh no the music drops in the exact same spot it's like this is not a not a dub mistake this is just this is their choice that <laughs> they're going to really hype up the fact that he's going up to up to a corner <laughs> and he's he's walking slowly up to a corner oh we, we forget we forget that um you know he he didn't actually want to go with Miggy and Miggy's actually, you know, um, turned into this massive, like many fingered hand grabbing onto a pole. It's like, no, I want to find out more about, you know, what, what my species is because yeah. she's not been able to find anything out about it. Yeah. So, so Miggy, Miggy wants to understand who or what she really is where uh, Shinichi's just like, fuck this, I just want to go home or I'm going to the cop shop, whatever I need to do. But so you're seeing that that literal push-pull mechanic going on here where yep. he's trying to run, but due to the the strength that Miggy has, Miggy can just sort of throw the arm forward almost and use that yep. momentum to push to push Shinichi forward. And, and yet they, we get to this alleyway and I was not expecting this the first time I, I watched no. <laughs> because we see we see this, this body down and... Uh, we quickly discover that uh, a dog, I think it's a corgi, if I if I remember right, for the species. Yeah, looks very similar to a corgi. This corgi is um, eating- Another dog. And then the, the corgi turns towards Miggy and Shinichi, and we get that body horror head warp with the dog again, and it just splits apart and freaks me the fuck out. Oh, and then it comes back together and turns into a dog, like because yeah. it, it was it was already open, and it comes back, and then the dog starts talking. Is like, yeah. um, you have a, you know, you have an inopportune host, or yeah, the host is not optimal, non-optimal host. I too have a non-optimal host, and it was like, I was thinking, are these two going to going to, you know, come together, and it's going to be like. Um, Shinichi's going to have like have like a, a dog off to the side, and you know it's going to be the two of them going at it. I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of a, a nice moment. And then all of a sudden, Miggy's like, run! I felt I sense murderous intent. <laughs> yeah, the whole dog doing its its contortion and alien shifting made me think very much of the thing, the old John Carpenter yep. original from the '80s. And I was just like, man, this is so good and so unsettling. And I was re-watching it with my two boys and, and they could sort of sense, like they've got this weird sixth sense where they sort of, when there's animals on the screen or dogs on the screen, they sort of start to pay attention. I watched sort of Winston looking as this whole scene was playing out and I'm like, it's all right, boys, like, I'd, I'd keep you safe if Parasite's around. I'd still love you. <laughs> and yeah, so so Miggy, Miggy says to Shinichi, run, it senses murderous intent. So, so they're running away 
and they sort of uh, seek shelter or I guess stop and, and plan a strategy in a nearby playground and get ready to fight. But what's happening is they're talking and strategizing in this playground. We find out that this parasitic dog has managed to spawn wings and is yep. flying through the sky and it looks <laughs> yes. all kinds of fucked up. It's got like this this single cylinder for a head that's sort of sucking out at the air and it's like, oh, this is so disgusting. And then the wings are like floating down and all this sort of stuff. The, just the, the look, you get this line down the dog's face and then it splits open and it's like, oh, it just goes vertical and it's just- <laughs> it's it's some good nightmare fuel, and really yeah, see, seeing this creepy demonoid parasitic dog flying in to try and eat Shinichi and Miggy was a moment for sure. But then we see Miggy levels up into like death claw mode and flies up through like the the hand slash arm extends like yep. what would you say 20, 30 meters. Oh, it it's not more. Distance. It's basically um, I. I've got my note in my notes here. Fire hosed. <laughs> I like that. Fire hosed its way into the sky, and you can actually see during the fight. There's there's a couple of different angles of attack that Miggy's going for, and then finally comes in from the side. You see, kind of the dog pause in midair and almost stop. Dead to rights, and then the and then the um the claw retracts, and in Miggy's claws, like, and it's. You know, got the got those metal claw looking things that it had when it stopped the um when it stopped the car has the dog's heart, and it's like, oh, this is fucking brutal. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a metal like horns up yeah. type of moment where you're like, damn, and like Miggy was so surgical, like you mentioned, so precise, where it was just like, and then it retracts down, and then the the dog or the parasitic dog's heart is in Shinichi's hand, yeah, and then pops it. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, Pops I feel and bad. That's, like- and that's the moment that the dog on screen collapses. Like, because it, it was somewhat moving around until that heart gets gets popped. And it's like, that is just a chef's kiss uh, moment that, you know, I absolutely loved. Even though it makes no sense whatsoever. It should have already been dead because the heart was literally rip- ripped out of it. But then you realize all this, all this work that uh, Miggy has been doing of reading up on anatomy and all this sort of stuff, it knew so much more than the dog because the dog was literally just a dog. It- <laughs> the, the dog didn't go to school. It was not Airbud, this dog, that's for sure. Like, yeah, uh- definitely not. Well, yeah. it was Airbud. But- <laughs> uh, touche, touche, yeah. Bad bad reference. What's, what's another smart dog like Clifford? I guess Clifford was a pretty smart dog. He could talk and it's very yeah. big, but- Beethoven. <laughs> yeah, Beethoven's pretty smart. Any any other intelligent dog, it was not one of those, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah, so that moment where you see the heart ripped out, and like you mentioned, it, it made me wonder when I saw that the first time. So I'm like, so can these parasites, worms, snakes, whatever, can they exist and live even if their their heart or what we find out when Miggy starts talking to Shinichi, the creature's core is what what it references. Yeah, can, can it exist and still live with its core outside of its body? If so, how long? What happens with this? And yeah, we, we get Miggy explaining, like you just mentioned, where the dog, because it didn't have time to evolve, I guess you could say, and and gain enough information about yeah. the world. And when it when it created the wings, it exposed its core because it had to take from you know, from its protection, basically, uh, matter to, to actually create the wings so it could fly. And that was its undoing because it exposed a weakness in its core and um, Miggy could could uh, take 
take that <laughs> that direct direct hit to the side and and um take out the dog and Shinichi's just looking at Miggy going you have no empathy whatsoever you are you are speaking about one of your own species like it's you know just a small little bug and you don't you do not give a shit yeah. and he's almost scared at this moment like not realizing you know thinking could Miggy actually be bad right now and I think this is a perfect opening for for a TV show, yeah, like it's it's answered enough questions, and the more that I've I've watched the episode and and that sort of stuff, I I feel like I've gotten uh, so much knowledge as to as to what's actually happening in this show, and I haven't given too much away. It's one of the best opening episodes of an anime that I can remember. Like a lot of the times with these first episodes, there's so much table setting and character introduction that we don't get much movement on the story or the potential things that are existing in this universe where, like you said, we get just enough intrigue and mystery and also clarity to some of the things going on where you can start to piece together, okay, I understand this species, I understand this world and these characters and their motives, but I also feel that it could change in an instant episode to episode. So I'm like, damn, Mm. I need to know what's going on. And I do appreciate too with the writing where they do explain, yeah, when these uh, parasites mutate and change, there is adverse reactions to the to the rest of their species like they're not just god mode can mm. morph and tweak without any any sort of ramification to them where it does expose vulnerabilities so i like yeah. that it shows that these creatures even though they're killing machines they do have vulnerabilities if they do need to alter to their environment to try and survive or or take something down yep uh, the very next scene is uh, shinichi washing his hands and it's almost in the last scene, we know that Miggy, you know, Shinichi didn't, fe- didn't feel that Miggy had felt anything. But Miggy says, I'm- that's yeah, the water's cold. cold. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so you can you can feel actual things. You just, you got no empathy. <laughs> so I felt that was a great parallel that it's like, oh, no, Miggy actually feels and, and can feel the things, but can't actually feel the emotion. <laughs> It's very very serial killer esque, right? Where yeah. they're they're just yeah cold and and zero empathy. They're just just machine like. Where yeah, running the hand under the cold water from the tap. Oh, that's cold. Like, well, what are you doing, Shinichi? I don't like that sort of thing. It, it made me made me chuckle. Where we do get these really harsh, violent, unsettling moments, and then some lighter moments, sort of yeah. bookending it really regularly and. It keeps the tone interesting and it keeps the vibes varied, which which I enjoy with the writing and the pacing. It's not all just doom and gloom, hyperviolence, and you just become numb to it and mm. you don't care. They do humanize all of these characters and build them out in a way where you're like, okay, I, I kind of get you. I kind of like you, Miggy. Even though you are a little death machine, I kind of like that you are funny and quirky yeah. and kind of cute in a weird way. Yeah. Um then we hear a voiceover that we didn't actually say at the start, like I forgot to mention as part of the intro, there was a voiceover of someone once once had a thought. And that's the only line that sort of gets said, but it echoes back to, you know, what happened, what was being said at the very start. And it's like, okay, so we get a two days earlier and it pushes into a guy killing a woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And licking the blood off his lips and all this sort of stuff. 
and he looks up to the sky and then we see an egg sort of coming down. It lands on like a on like a satellite dish, opens up, and we actually see this is actually Miggy going to going to see Shinichi right then, right then and there. And when I when I saw that that spore coming down, and then I saw the intro again the next time I watched it, and I realized Oh shit! That's how many spores are literally falling down because they show that how many spores are falling down at the very start of the um of the intro. I'm like, why are you? Holy <laughs> fucking shit! And I think what I'm loving about this this anime is the fact that it's 24 episodes. I'm not coming into a 1,000 episode mm-hmm. monster. I can be in and out in 24 episodes and have the full story that covers the full manga it's actually pretty pretty amazing that um somehow in the next 24 episodes it's going to tell the entire story that and it's not going well it's probably going to leave me wanting more but <laughs> as i'm sure it will because you know i'm really enjoying this so far well that's okay i'll just have to find the next thing for you to check out but yeah it, it tells <laughs> a full story in those 24 episodes. It's not rushed. The pacing is great. And the way it ends is great too. I'm, I'm avoiding anything specific because I don't want to allude to, to anything for, for yourself or the listeners, but it is a banger of an anime. Like uh, the fact that it's got an 8.33 based off 1.1 million unique user votes. It can show, it shows how, adored and respected the anime is because it is Mm. extremely well reviewed and yeah those 24 episodes are just fantastic viewing from front to back and i can't wait to sort of talk with you offline as you sort of progress through the story and the twists and turns and the characters you meet along the way and it's just a time man and yeah it's funny because we have this ending scene where yeah we've got this clearly homicidal man laughing as he as he stabbed this woman to death and then yeah putting his, her blood all over himself and we see these spores float down. I'm like, oh, this is a bit ominous. But then we get the ending and the music is so relaxed and the end credits where we're, we're seeing a lot of visual references to like doors, closed doors mm-hmm. um, particularly, and it's all very chill and very zen and, you know, for gamers out there, very like cozy game vibes. But then Definitely. at the end we get some really unsettling body horror imagery that is sort of like a bit fever dream-like mm. where we're getting – really scratchy animated drawings with pops of neon with a black background. And it's it's this weird juxtaposition compared to the rest of the ending. The music is very serene compared to mm. what we've just watched. It's it's almost like this is the calm before the storm and we're just going to do this each week. And you'll come back and you'll, you'll be really pumped up for the episode and then we're just going to calm you down and, and let you go away and ha- have a think about what you've just watched. And yeah, I I'm so glad that this is the one that you, that you <laughs> um, well, this is one of the ones that you gave me because of all of those we watched. I watched all the trailers and we were we were talking about a few different ones. And I'm like, as soon as I watched the trailer for this, I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is the one that um, that really uh, really is is you know um, making me want to watch. Yeah, like, the, the second you reference body horror to me in the chat, I'm like, 
please lean on, like, please go with Parasite. <laughs> please go with Parasite because I feel it's going to be the perfect Trevor anime gateway and mm. it feels like that. So I'm, I'm very um, respectful of your choice to only watch the first episode. Like, you could have went beyond, but yep. I admire the hell out of you for, for watching the first episode, albeit three times to get all the information <laughs> necessary. And reading, the, and reading the first two chapters of the manga and finding out some weird shit in that. Like, <laughs> there's, there's a scene with... Let's just say that it goes very sexual very, very quickly. And um, there's a scene where uh, Miggy is trying to say to Shinichi, can you get erect for me right now? And <laughs> it was like, oh, God, this is probably still to come in, in the show. And they may they may touch on it. They may not. And then the next scene happens and he's sitting sitting down with... <laughs> with Murano. Murano. And, like... Miggy turns itself into a big, huge, throbbing penis. <laughs> like, there's yeah. this, this huge penis arm. And I just, I started pissing myself with laughter. As soon as I saw that in the manga, I'm like, oh, God, what am I in for in the rest of this show? <laughs> it's it's pretty funny, too, that Awaki, who uh, and created this, this manga, uh, that was one of the first scenes that he came up with as far as what he wanted to do with Parasite. And he thought, well, in order to make this successful, we need to do it in a school-based setting. So that's why we see <laughs> a 16-year-old Shinichi and, and a lot of high school vibes because he wanted to play around with uh, Miggy and, and, and some penis-based appendages. So, uh, yeah, shout out to the Japanese doing all kinds of creative and kooky things. Yep. It's on, a, on another little factoid, this is actually one of 38 anime and manga titles that is actually banned in mainland China. Okay. So the Chinese Ministry of Culture listed this as uh, yeah one of the do not watch or do not read titles. So it's one of 38 that China has uh, outlawed way back in 2015. But I guess guess the questions now is you are like, will you continue to watch? I have to ask the question, but I think we already know the answer, listeners. We already know the the answer. The fact that I have all 24 episodes lined up, ready to go. And- <laughs> Um, yes, I will be con- continuing this through to completion because, yeah, I've I've loved what I've seen so far. It's got such a such a unique pres- like premise, and I don't know it. It just my mind is is thinking about how far this could go. You know, mm. they'll obviously bring some things in at very close by to to Shinichi. They'll have bigger overarching things. They could do anything because you once once they start ingratiating themselves into into society, you won't be able to tell, you know, they can look like you or I. They can they can mimic very well and learn very quickly. Bit of paranoia with general society where you're like, are, are you human or are you a parasite? Like, yeah, who's who's real? Who's who's a who's a skin suit and who's a real human? out there so so it makes me wonder and yeah i can i can sort of tell that these these parasites are also very um inquisitive so they i don't know and i'm i'm guessing that there'll be a few that are inquisitive to the point of you know trying different things and and trying to mimic different different people within within the whole whole of society to try and learn more and yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing you know just just how many different sort of uh villains that we come up against how many different you know is there an overarching villain for the whole thing or is it just sort of um 
a little bit different. And the fact that we, they don't go that far, like to show any of that sort of stuff now, it's just like a simple grounded story that, you know, this is this is just showing this is what's possible. But we're not even letting know what else is going on in this world. Um, yeah, strap in. Very strap good in for the episode. next 23 episodes. Did you have a favourite scene or moment from this first episode that uh, stood out more than the others in um, in the Metamorphosis? I mean, look, I love the dog scene. I love the I love the the car scene because that really showed that um, you know, as I said before, Shinichi is, is has the heart of a hero. He's he will jump into action, um, and it's not just the fact that you know he has a super powered hand. Um, love the intro scene, like that just got me. Like I just could not believe that's how they would open the show. And I'm here for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a bold opening. And to know that that's how they also open the manga and all that sort of stuff is just, that's bold. That gets bums on seats. Especially when, when you know straight away, we're showing you what is possible with this show. Because for the next, you know, 20 minutes almost, you're not going to see much of this at all. Like, <laughs> It sets the table as to what's to come very quickly and it just leaves you wanting more because, yeah, you see this pretty pretty intense head bite moment and, yeah, you don't see much of that for the rest of this episode. You see some violence and some some shocking moments, but you're nothing to that yeah. extent. So you're like, God damn. And I've got to shout out to Madhouse, the studio behind it. The animation in this is fantastic and they're, they're a studio that's been around for a good long while and they've done some of my favourite things from yesteryear and currently like they've done – uh, most recently, my love story with Yamada Kun begins at level nine nine nine. They've done Overlord, Paranoia, uh, Paranoia Agent, Death Note, Black Lagoon, Trigun, ones we mentioned earlier. As far as they were the studio behind Ninja Scroll, as well as Vampire Hunter D: Bloodlust. So they're a, a studio with a lot of pedigree and yep. the animation. Even though this is an anime that's that's getting close to ten years old now, it still stacks up really well. And I find the combat scenes and just the general character movement to be to be pretty bang on. Like there's a little bit of a homage to to this anime, uh, to the manga that was written decades prior with some of the animation style, but they've also made it look modern and current. So um, I'm mm. all for what Madhouse have done and put to screen. Yeah. Um, I suppose I should also say that I, even though I've the sort of scenes that I've talked about that I, I really love so far, I do also love the family scenes because it, it sort of shows that, that moment. But those moments between this loving family and I'm just waiting for that to get totally ripped apart later on because I know that that's, they're trying to go for the heartstrings to just rip that apart later on because, you know, they know what they're doing. I say nothing. I'm not going to spoil you don't. anything. And, and that's what this. I love about it. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I made the choice not to go through any further because – you know what? It means I can talk about the episode one, and and you know you're you're probably hearing me talk about stuff and not knowing. Mm-hmm. I could be completely off base, or I could be you know actually a reasonable storyteller that I can that I can sort of pick up these story beats. But <laughs> yeah, ho- hopefully my poker face has not given anything away either nah. way. But um, and listeners, if you're still on the fence about checking out Parasite, if you've watched and enjoyed things like Tokyo Ghoul, Devilman Crybaby, Ajin, Inuyashiki, or Death Note, which are the the most common five recommended in parallel with Parasite on my anime list, if you've watched any of those five and dug what they put out on screen, 
do yourselves a favor and check out Parasite because it is fantastic. But we're going to jump now into the last word presented by our friends over at Japan Crate. Experience Japan through snacks and knickknacks via monthly package drops courtesy of japancrate.com. And while you're there, be sure to use code 8BIT15 at checkout. Save yourself 15% and get free shipping anywhere on planet Earth. Trevor, what is your last word or words if you want to get technical on Parasite, the maxim? Gory, brutal, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. I I can't really add much more to that. I love it too. It is so good. It's some of the best horror or science fiction in the anime realm that I've ever watched. I really, really rate it and uh, it is very much worth all your time. But Trev, that brings us to the end of another episode of More Than Hentai. I'm going to throw the floor over to you again and you can choose to dance on it or just shout out whatever you want as far as where people can find all the good content that you do before we close down the studio for another couple of weeks. So, Trev, the yep. floor is yours. Uh, so, if you just head over to podchaser.com forward slash bitstorm, B-I-T-S-T-O-R-M, you'll find all 350-odd episodes, maybe even 360 by the time this is out. Who knows? Um, and, yeah, you can leave a like and review there on those or, you know, listen to your heart's content. There's plenty of episodes. There's a few episodes there with the wonderful Brendan White. <laughs> <laughs> Starch Wars, baby. Starch Wars. Wars. It's coming back. Oh, we've got to have you back on at one stage, like, and you're always welcome in the in the in the studio. You so, tell me when, yeah. But yeah, be sure to check out Bitstorm. And the great thing with it is you can jump in any old time. So if there's an episode that sounds a little bit more appealing than the others when you're reading that episode synopsis, you can jump in. You don't have to go all the way back to episode one and work your way all the way forward to episode 350, 360. You can just cherry pick based off. You can start uh, at the latest episode and work work your way backwards and and go, oh, they've been talking about this for a long time. It's like, now I get the reference. I I love the references (laughs) and the continuity episode to episode with, with games and ideas and themes and characters that have come up several hundred episodes back and they're still making their way in, into sort of current bit still oh, yeah. lore. It's so good. Yeah. And, you know, we just have it. We just want to make each other laugh. Uh, when we went down to the 30-minute episodes, I think things became a little bit easier for us to to sort of keep our, keep our you know, wits about us and, and hit some better game ideas, I think. so. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I, I know I'm going to say like that short snappy episodes are great as we uh, tick our way close to 90 minutes here but i feel the discussion has been fantastic oh yeah we've had a great old time here i've loved my time and it's gone so fast like it really has it really has i looked over a second ago and i'm like holy shit it's been 80 minutes so far where does the time go where does the time go? But yeah, listeners, follow us all as a whole at We Are 8 Bit. You can find me on the socials at Brendan 8 Bit, and you can find Trev at Trev H. Scott on them socials as well. Be sure to rate you, subscribe to this podcast and all the other podcasts you listen to on the regular because those ratings and reviews mean the world to us. Check out the merch store at shop8bit.net. And whether you're anime be subbed, dubbed, or still yet to come, enjoy yourself, stay hungry, and much love to all the gorgeous waifus out there. Goodbye.